taking proactive steps to ensure a blue clear sky for business aviation today and beyond. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news and information. The global aviation community is pursuing multiple paths to improve its environmental sustainability, including compliance with a patchwork of international regulations that set limits on aviation carbon emissions. Those programs can prove challenging to business aviation flight departments when trying to determine which regulations might apply to their operation and ensuring they can fly without running afoul of those requirements. Details of these various programs, along with several other ways to improve your flight operations carbon footprint, will be at the heart of Blue Clear Sky, a session taking place during the 2023 edition of the NBAA Schedulers and Dispatchers Conference. Today, I'm pleased to welcome three of the session presenters, beginning with Stuart DeLeon, CAM and NBAA Director for Environmental and Technical Operations. This session really started last year with uh, 2022's Scheduler and Dispatch Conference. We really wanted to understand how we could better prepare schedulers and dispatchers to be a part of the environmental sustainability conversation in their role within the organization. And so what we what we created was a session that would not only talk about uh, the day-to-day environmental sustainability within the organization, but also what's happening in other parts of, of the world with regulatory requirements, uh, as well as voluntary requirements that different corporations are bringing on. And so obviously, a lot continues to happen with this topic. And so we have continued this discussion and really brought back I would say version two of the session that that we brought last year with with new updates on what's happening in the regulatory um, in Europe and in, in, in international, as well as what we're doing with the voluntary compliance here in the United States and, and elsewhere around the world. So it, it's it's really going to be an add on to what folks heard last year at Schedules and Dispatch Conference with some of the same individuals presenting as well as some new individuals presenting. One of those new presenters is Nancy Basals, Chief Operating Officer of Aviation Sustainability Firm for AIR. Nancy, Stewart mentioned the regulatory efforts across Europe to curb carbon emissions. Before we delve into the specifics of those efforts, what methods are available for international operators to track their carbon output? And why is that important even for those who never leave the U.S.? The most important thing to do is really to understand your flights and to start monitoring all the aerodromes that you're flying to, every airport uh, destination and origins, um, because that will help you to understand if you have to comply to certain uh, programs. You know, these are all policies that are put in place under different governments that have, you know, a cap on emissions. So if you're to monitor those and to stay within compliance, you need to really understand every flight you're taking and monitor those throughout. Most of the voluntary programs we work with, we actually are monitoring their flights as well along the way. So that if we see that they hit a threshold for whether it be the UK ETS or EU ETS, we're able to make them aware that you need to start reporting to your member state. Coming up, more information about those and other emissions trading systems and how U.S. operators can take the voluntary initiative to improve their own sustainability. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, your podcast is ready everywhere. You can download it from iTunes, ask your smart speaker to give you a listen, or hear it in any car with Apple's CarPlay. NBAA Flight Plan, available anytime, anywhere. 
We're back now with Stuart DeLeon and Nancy Basals and our discussion about business aviation carbon emissions and the Blue Clear Sky session at NBAA's 2023 Schedulers and Dispatchers Conference. I'd now like to bring into the conversation Juan Muniz, Lead Regulatory Service Specialist for Universal Weather and Aviation. Juan, could you give us an overview of these various ETS programs in place across Europe? The very first one that came about in 2010 was EUETS, and this encompasses flights that travel to between and out of the EU. Uh, there are certain requirements for uh, operators, depending on the type of operator that you are, whether you are a private operator or commercial. Uh, there's different thresholds to abide by to know if you are required to report. I'll go into that here a little bit, but the next program that we have is actually the Swiss ETS that came about in 2017. This program is now really integrated into the EU ETS, so it is a different program, but the reporting mechanism, the offsetting, the the, the requirements for Swiss ETS have now all been incorporated into EU ETS. So we do treat it as a separate program, but all the schematics go aligned with EU ETS. The third one that we have out in Europe now uh, that began only in 2021 is UK ETS. So we're only on the second year of UK ETS. Obviously, because of Brexit, the UK started implementing their own emissions trading scheme separate from EU ETS, but regardless, it still has a tie to EU ETS. So I can explain that whole mechanism here shortly. So let's get back to the EU ETS and those reporting requirements. So I mentioned the requirements are different for private operators as they are for commercial operators. Private operators have a threshold of a thousand tons, meaning that if an operator, a private operator exceeds a thousand tons under EU ETS full scope, they do have a requirement to report those emissions. If you fall under that threshold, you have no requirement. Uh, for commercial operators, that threshold is 25,000. So you can see here that the exemptions uh, become very clear uh, for those private and commercial operators because if you don't reach those thresholds, you have absolutely no requirement to report, therefore, no requirement to offset your carbon emissions. And again, Swiss ETS gets incorporated into that. There are no different schematics for Swiss ETS. If you report for the EU, you have to report for Swiss as well if you had operations into Switzerland. Now, UK ETS separately, uh, again, its own program has a link to EU ETS, meaning that if you are reporting for EU ETS, you have to look to see if you have any operations into the UK. The reason why is because for the UK, uh, operations that go into full scope for UK ETS are UK domestic flights, flights between the UK and Gibraltar, and flights departing the UK to a European economic area. So if you are reporting for EU ETS and you meet the requirements for this UK ETS full scope, then you're going to have to report for both programs. What this means is that you have two different programs, two different monitoring plans, and even two registry accounts to offset your carbon output. 
The thresholds for UK ETS are 1,000 tons for private operations and 10,000 tons for commercial operations. That gives you a very big, broad picture of how EU ETS, Swiss ETS, and UK ETS work. Juan, how do these programs relate to another headline initiative to reduce aviation carbon emissions, the Carbon Offsetting and Reduction Scheme for International Aviation, or CORSIA? CORSIA is a different program. Uh, CORSIA is developed by uh, ICAO. It's an ICAO-driven plan for worldwide emissions monitoring. So now we're not only dealing with the European area, we're actually dealing with a worldwide scheme here. Corsia affects anyone that travels internationally. What that means is an operator that leaves a country A and arrives in country B. If you have any international operations, you might fall into the Corsia mandatory program uh, requirements here. However, Corsia is different in the European programs in the sense that not all countries are participating in Corsia. Currently, there's only 115 states participating in the program. And this program is almost on a voluntary basis regarding that member state. Uh, For example, the U.S. is a participating member state, but it's a voluntary program for the U.S. to participate. It is not required by ICAO for a country to participate in it. Let's take, for example, a very remote country out there, uh, Mozambique. Mozambique is not participating in Corsia. Therefore, any operator that is based in Mozambique has no obligation for Corsia. The thresholds are a little different than the European programs. There's only one threshold, whether you are private or commercial, and that's 10,000 tons. That's a very big number, but when you start considering all international operations, there's a chance if an operator has a big fleet or even a charter management company, they can get to that 10,000 ton threshold pretty quickly throughout the year. Uh, So you do have to be very wary of your international operations and being able to monitor those emissions to be able to see if you have to comply with Corsia. No doubt those attending Blue Clear Sky will appreciate the deeper discussion of these programs and their various requirements. But this also highlights, Nancy, the importance of voluntary initiatives for flight operations to improve their sustainability, even if they don't operate in Europe or meet the reporting thresholds for such regulatory programs. Uh, So true. So, you know, within the U.S., there's actually not many flight departments that have to comply with many of these policies. And as I said, these policies are put in place uh, under certain governments to combat climate change. Right. So these caps are put in place. But within the U.S., we actually do not have a policy in place at this point. But what we do have is um, a number of corporations or individuals who have decided to reduce their emissions. So we're finding a lot of U.S. operators are starting to track and trace and mitigate emissions within their flight departments. What they also do in, in those cases is they need to report to their ESG departments which is your environmental social governance departments. So we have corporations, Fortune 500s are the perfect example, um, who have um, policies in place for reductions. And one of the goals that you'll hear a lot about is net zero. So we have a number of corporations who are looking to reach net zero goals. And since your corporate flight department falls under the scope one emission, your flight department needs to report to the corporation as well as reduce their emissions and meet those net zero goals. 
So within that, we're finding a number of flight departments that are getting involved with the MBAA accreditation or within house to do that. In addition to that, you know, we just have people who are looking to fly more sustainably. So they're including, you know, sustainable aviation fuel in their in their goals. They're including those direct reductions so that for today, tomorrow and into the future, we're reducing overall emissions across aviation. Stuart, please tell us more about the NBAA Sustainable Flight Department Accreditation Program that Nancy just mentioned. MBA is trying to do everything we can to help the membership in these goals, whether they be mandatory or voluntary, as Juan and, and Nancy have described. Uh, and part of that is this uh, NBA Sustainable Flight Department Accreditation Program. The program, as many people know now, has four independent accreditations, one in flight, one in ground support, one in infrastructure, and one in operations. And so it really allows organizations to apply for the accreditation that directly uh, applies to them individually. And it it allows them to really dig down, uh, identify the work that they've already done. In some cases, we found some members wanted to start and apply for an accreditation and realize, you know what, we can apply for more than, than what we thought. We're doing more than what we thought. And so it's really energize the membership to take a look at what they're doing and then be able to have it third-party audited by NBAA uh, to be able to come back and, and prove to not only their own organization, but also the public that, hey, we are actually meeting these things regardless of the, whether we're required to do it or not. So it really is a, a part of a, a multifaceted approach that we are taking to assist the membership. Uh, in the end, I think this is kind of the end goal is to achieve the accreditation. There's lots of steps that you'll need to do in between. And and all of this is, is part of the things that we're going to talk about in this session at Schedules and Dispatchers. And Nancy, I understand another reason it's important for flight departments to get ahead of these requirements now is that regulatory action on aviation carbon emissions is coming here to the states as well. As we're moving forward, we're, we're seeing some guidance that's coming down from the SEC for Fortune 500 companies. Any public company will need to start to report on their scope one and scope two emissions. And for anyone who's not 100% sure what that is, if you're a flight department, you're part of the scope one emission, that jet fuel that you're burning needs to be accounted for within that SEC reporting. We expect that to start up in 2024. And again, you want to prepare yourself for the ones who are getting involved voluntarily, you know, doing the MBAA accreditation, getting involved voluntarily prepares you for what you're going to have to start to do in the future. The other things we need to always be monitoring um, is those compliance uh, programs that are going on, those ETS programs, because the parameters and the thresholds are changing regularly. So for flight departments, it's very important to start really measuring and managing your emissions and and your fuel burns so that you understand the impact you have on the environment, on the overall emissions of your corporation and, and society. Juan, building on what Nancy just noted, sustainability isn't simply a regulatory box to be checked off. We really do have a greater responsibility to do our part to ensure blue clear skies for everyone. Yeah, and that's why, you know, we really emphasize the monitoring aspect because our question to operators all the time is, how do you know where you stand? How do you know how far you are from those thresholds if you supersede those thresholds? So a very big uh, push that we always encourage operators, whether 
it's a small operator with one aircraft or you know a, a big operator is monitor your emissions you do not know what you're emitting until you're checking and making sure those numbers speak for themselves. The reporting requirements are only a fraction of emissions out there. Running numbers in business aviation, 88% of operators are exempt from having to report on the mandatory programs. That's a very big number, 88%. So if you really think about that, we're only offsetting required uh, emissions and that you know that's a fraction that's a 12 percent on an operator that does have to report so you can see how much sustainability really comes into play because in the business aviation industry it's not being offset very much so that's always our big push monitor your emissions see where you stand that way you can for sure say i am exempt or i have requirements in these programs Stuart, it sounds like Blue Clear Sky will be a very important session for schedulers and dispatchers seeking to educate themselves and their companies on the intricacies of our current environment. The other thing that we're going to try to talk about as a conversational piece and hopefully bring in some of the audience as well is is lessons learned from individual organizations. And I think that's where there's a lot of value. We can certainly stand up and talk about some of the regulatory, some of the voluntary, the things we know. But really what's moving us further and further in this area is the individual contributions by organizations and sharing that knowledge with other organizations to be able to move us further and further. So we hope to have a very engaging conversation with the audience, not just the panel members, to be able to, to help move and educate everyone that's there. Nancy? I think it'll be the place to be. It's been a conversation that has really gained a lot of momentum over the last couple of years, and it continues. And there's, you know, new solutions and new tools that are coming about. And I think Stuart said it well, that like the lessons learned, you know, we do have a, a number of operators who are really taking the lead, and they're already implementing so many different solutions within their uh, flight departments and, and on their aircraft to reduce emissions and to become more sustainable. And I think we need to learn from that. You can learn more about the 2023 NBAA Schedulers and Dispatchers Conference at nbaa.org forward slash SDC 2023. And for more information about the NBAA Sustainable Flight Department Accreditation Program, visit nbaa.org forward slash sustainability. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. <laughs>